0: You're listening to the Pimp Cron podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Pimpcron Cron Warhammer podcast, episode 222. That's two, two, two for you following at home. And I apologize. I got to start this with a huge apology. I've got inundated with letters and emails saying that people were freaking out because there was no Pimpcron Warhammer podcast episode last week. And that was because I was recovering from Shorehammer and I don't like to take time off from the podcast. But Saturday night I had three hours and 45 minutes of sleep. And then Sunday I uh, got done unpacking everything at like 6 p.m. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm taking a shower and going to bed. And that's what I did. So I apologize for that. I did not get any of the recordings in for Sunday at all. So I decided to take the week off. And occasionally the Pimpcron needs some regenerative time. But I got letters saying that you shaved your head at a protest. I saw some people streaked through a soccer game, which I know you called football. And they had Pimpcron, where are you across their butt cheeks? That's strange to me. Um, I had some people that were going to name their firstborn Pemkron, but because I didn't have that episode, they decided not to, and that they claimed I, quote, ruined their birth, which is, seems a little overstated to me. I had the stress of a lack of a Pempcron episode break up no less than four marriages this last week, and I apologize. I know for a lot of you, I am the cement that holds your relationship together, and really, the only way that your poorly chosen spouse is bearable is if you have some pimp cron in your ear through an earbud the whole time. And I, I understand that. I understand that's a, a full function of this podcast. All those divorces got me in trouble with the Catholic Church. They're like, what are you doing? You've got a duty to humanity to entertain and warm hearts through Warhammer commentary. And I said, OK, Pope, listen up. I apologize, and never will I ever miss another podcast episode, but I think that was probably a lie, because one day I'll probably miss another episode, so don't tell the Pope I lied to him. Anyway, we are brought to you today by gamemat.eu, that is event 10 for 10% off, Uh, pre-painted resin terrain, mats, STL files, and then Shorehammer is the code for 15% off at panhandle3d.com. 15% off. It's normally 10 with podcast 10, but this is Shorehammer. He's letting me tell everybody, even if you didn't come to Shorehammer, and that's only good um, for the next couple weeks. So I would would hurry up and, and get that in. I think the beginning of January he said that is over. So, of course, you still get your free shipping over a certain amount and all that as well. And a lot of people were impressed with the panhandle terrain at Shorehammer. They really liked it. So um, they commented on the print quality because he doesn't have a bunch of little ridges all over it and the I don't know what plastic he uses, but uh, it is very durable. Sometimes I've had 3D printed stuff where the plastic was kind of soft and maybe it's like the density of the fill or whatever, the percentage fill. But um, his stuff is very durable, and I love it. So I'll end up buying more. And I'm debating on doing a Tyranid board for next year. And um, Gregory sells a bunch of Tyranid terrain. So I might end up making a big purchase next year for a narrative terrain board for Tyranids, which would be awesome. So um, remember, um, Event 10 for GameMath.eu, and then Shorehammer. It's all one word, Shorehammer. And S-H-O-R-E-H-A-M-M-E-R for 15% and you should jump on that. It's the holiday season. Tell that spouse you hate and you nearly left because my episode wasn't available. Tell them that's what you want for Christmas. So, you know, I always tell you these stories about meeting the Patreon patrons and all of that. You know, we have our 4th of July get together. We have our Halloween get together and all that, right? I love to make up these stories. And, uh, What's funny is in the Halloween one, I said that Kojo didn't like to dress up, but he did pass out candy and he wore a pumpkin baseball hat because Kojo is famous for wearing a baseball hat. He always wears a baseball hat. And what's funny is when he came to check in at Shorehammer, he was wearing a Halloween pumpkin baseball hat and he threw candy at us. (laughs) And what's funny is, with so much going on at the convention, and me worrying about so much stuff, and trying to keep, he gives me candy, and I did notice the pumpkin hat, but I did not put two and two together. Scotty's the one that actually put two and two together, and um, Kojo comes in and throws uh, Smarties at us, and I'm like, oh, thank you. I just thought he was giving me candy. And he—and then uh, he mentions, like, oh, I got the pumpkin hat on, and I'm like, yeah? <laughs> like. I noticed it, but what's the what's the significance of this? And then once he's like, you know, from the podcast, I'm like, oh, and Scotty got it before I did. Um, and he, he thought it was funny, too. So um, that is now a true story about Kojo with the pumpkin hat giving out candy. That's no longer a fictional Patreon story. And of course, we got to see Grendel. I gave him a big old wet smooch. I did. He, now listen, if you know Grendel, he's going to deny it. But I did it. OK, he might want to forget it, but it did. No, it actually didn't happen. But uh, it's always nice to see Grendel. He's been like might have been my first Patreon patron. It, like he's been around for a long time. It's always good to see Grendel. He flew in from. uh, Well, I guess the state's OK to get Missouri. He flew in from Missouri to beat a short So I was very, very thankful for that. I always like seeing Grendel. And then also we saw Leroy Jenkins who came like six hours, seven hours away to come to Shorehammer. And I always, now he, now he, I did give a wet smooch to, and he will not deny it. He's been bragging to everybody that we made out for a while. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit of a slut. So anyway, Leroy Jenkins and Grendel and Kojo all truly were there. Now, Nate used to come. Um, I think he's kind of out of Warhammer a bit. He's not really into Warhammer as much anymore, but, um, he used to come and I'm trying to think of any of the other Patreon patrons ever come. No, I don't think any of the other ones do, but I do see those three about once a year. So that's, that's nice to see them. And unironically, none of them participate in the open round table discussion because I guess they all know they'll hear it later on in the podcast in a later date. So I guess that makes sense. Anyway, uh, this is only going to be one segment this time because it's like nearly 30 minutes long and it's the Shorehammer 2022 recap. So in my personal life, I've been working on Brutal Space every single day and I did a bunch of renovations to my storage area for all my Shorehammer stuff because I bought such boatloads of terrain from panhandle3d.com this year that I needed to figure out a better storage option. I had to buy containers, ship... uh, totes and things like that. And now it's all pretty well, um, organized. So I'm happy about that. Anyway, let's get on to the one and only segment of this show. And it was great seeing all of you and I will see you on the other side of this music. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp What's up everybody, it's Real Talk with the Pimp Cron, and this week we will be recapping Shorehammer 2022. Cannot believe it's our seventh year doing Shorehammer, and it all went pretty smoothly. We we set everything up, and uh, we had TJ and David and James and myself and Scotty, we all set everything up, and we had the hotel people put up our banners and the things they had to do, and everything went pretty smoothly. I don't have any complaints there. The narratives, we had a bunch of narratives there, and uh, by and large, everything went pretty darn well. The issues that you do run into with a narrative, though, is the same old, same old. People don't know what narrative gaming is. And I'm telling you right now, I've got ideas percolating in my head to make a narrative how-to book so that most people can actually play narratively and have the right mindset and all of that. Um... You always have, out of 24 players, you typically have one or two people that are also typically new to the narrative. If people have already been there a year or so and have done the narratives at Shorehammer, they're already aware of what it's like. But you always have one or two people that they get a little salty if things don't go their way or or whatever it's just the nature of the beast unfortunately and um then you also have one or two people um, typically it's about two people every narrative of 24 people about two of them are an issue in some way they're either getting salty because things aren't going their way and they don't realize that i have baked into the rules reinforcements if you get wiped out, nobody can be completely wiped off the board, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But they don't they don't believe that. They have no trust in that system until they see it in action. And that's why people that have already been there before typically go, okay, things are bad, but I know that Pimp Crown's gonna come around and he's going to uh try to tweak things, you know, back in, in the favor of balance. So they're not nearly as worried. But the new people are terrified and they think, well, I guess I'm off the board. The other type of person is the type of person that brings a highly told list, even with all of our restrictions, a highly told list because they're being way too competitive about it. And I warn people. I say, listen, I'm the game master for these narrative games, okay? If it starts going too far in one way, I'm going to tweak it so that it's going to bite you in the butt for being so competitive. I'm just letting you know this is a narrative game. There's no trophy on the line. There's no belt. There's no money. It's purely narrative ...to have fun, okay? So you are going to have to tone it down just a little bit. It doesn't mean you can't bring something like a good unit or two or whatever... ...but sometimes, um, and we ran into this to Age of Sigmar... Um, uh, ...one of the tables this year, where it was just such a bad matchup. Number one, this these two players um, really, really wanted to team up together... ...on the same team, and they brought the same faction... Well, narratively, we allow two of the same faction to buff each other and work as one because that kind of narratively makes sense, right? If you bring Black Templars and I bring Black Templars and we're on the same team, well, you feel like if you've got, I'll just say Grimaldus or whatever, then you should be able to buff both of us because we're both Black Templars. That just makes sense. But sometimes people try to use that to their advantage and they get real uh, cheeky about it. So we had one table in Age of Sigmar that, uh, we were, we had odd numbers because sometimes people don't show up or whatever. We had odd numbers. I think we had 21 people in Age of Sigmar narrative, um, where we had sold out to 24 tickets, but three people, a father and two sons didn't show up. So we were at 21. So that made our friend David be the ringer. And he really didn't want to do it to begin with. But, um, cause this is like an all, this is like a six hour ordeal. It's practically a tournament in the time that it takes. And uh, he didn't really want to do it, but he was good about it. And he was the ringer. So um, he already was taking a very softball list because all my ringers try to take like a very moderate, bland list, whether it's for a tournament or for a narrative or whatever. They don't want to bring some overpowered thing that's going to affect the game because really they're just a stand in to make the the number of people even. So he brought Loon Curse or what are they called? Uh, Gloom Spite Gets. And he brought a bunch of squigs. I don't know if you are familiar with Age of Sigmar or not, but the Squigs and the Glimspite are like one of the bottom tier armies in Age of Sigmar. Even I know that, and I don't follow the meta or anything like that. And his teammate just so happened to be Cruel Boys, which I don't know if you know anything about Age of Sigmar or not, but Cruel Boys is also one of the very bottom tier armies in the meta. So you have two armies that are very weak competitively, Versus two players that highly told up their lists and made them synergize together. They were Sylvaneth. And it was not pretty. It was one of those cases where Sylvaneth are very powerful right now, and the other two units are not. Coupled with the fact that David just brought like just a, a nothing average whatever list, he brought a bunch of units. He didn't really have any cohesion or anything like that. And the uh, two Sylvaneth players had very highly told lists. It was just a David and Goliath sort of scenario. And um, then those players also had an issue where he asked me a very vague question. Something about the mission happened at the end of the turn, right? At the end of the movement phase. And he goes, well, what about when two things say they happen at the same time, who chooses when they happen? Well, that's a common thing that happens in Age of Sigmar. You know, if I say something to your unit i curse them somehow with some spell and then also they have something else and they happen at the same time you can choose which order they happen right it depends on who turn it is um so i told him that because i'm like oh just you know whose turn it is and he goes oh okay good good well i didn't realize at the time that he was being intentionally vague about it because he wanted to use it to his advantage so the mission was uh bringing artifacts to this wizard in the middle of this desert oasis and uh, this was one of the more goofier missions but it was fun and you're basically fighting each other while you're also trying to give him more artifacts from the neighboring town um than the other side and every turn you do that he heals people on other boards and it was it was pretty cool actually but the handing off of the items and the sylvanus teleport through the trees both happen at the end of the movement phase and he was, he was making a veiled question for me. He didn't specifically say, or obviously, and I think he knows this is why his question was so vague. Um, he's like, oh, so they took it to understand that they could um, teleport and then drop off the item in the, same, in the same turn. So they could start their turn at a building with an artifact, pick it up at the beginning of the movement phase. Then they could teleport at the end of their movement phase like 20 inches to the wizard and then drop it off in the same turn which was way overpowered and and come on like you know better you just know better so they played one turn that way and i came up and i'm like how do you guys on turn one already have packages to this wizard and they're like oh it's because you said you said that you know we determine when i'm like bro Come on, man, and he's just he's just smiling. I'm like, come on, you know what I meant. I said, and th- and I even told him to his face. I was like, look, I think you know why you asked me very vaguely about that rule mechanic because um, you're you're gonna try to you know uh, exploit it. And uh, I mean, he's a perfectly fine guy. Actually, I really like him. He's very nice to talk to. He's a nice guy. But I think that that team. Coupled with the fact that they already had an advantage with powerful armies, which is not their fault. I mean, they picked those armies, but whatever, that's not their fault. But the lists were highly told, and then they tweaked the rule mechanic for one turn to be very much in their favor. So having said that, I had already warned him, I'm like, listen, you brought very highly told lists, and this is already a bad matchup. I'm gonna have to tweak it in their favor. And I said, So don't be too nasty with this, because you're you're gonna get bit in the butt in the end. And um, So anyway, uh, after the, after turn one, we had to allow the goblin side to make a free move each as well so that they are on even footing. And that's, what's nice about a narrative game is because if someone's being, you know, aggressive or exploited, exploitive, exploitative, no, exploitive, exploitive, that doesn't sound right. Anyway, if they're exploiting the rules, um, then the Game Master can tweak it so that it stays balanced. So we tweaked that, and that corrected it. Well, another issue with that board, not only was there a list difference in power, there was an army difference in power, not only that, but they all misunderstood my explanation of the middle terrain. There was a wizard's hut, and then on either side he had a pond. These were these healing ponds he was spiritually bound to, and he tended to them. And then at the end of them, think of them in a line, right? Then at the end of the line on each side was a cluster of trees. I said, and I put my hand on the tree, the wizard house, and the tree. I said, these trees block line of sight. Okay. Well, there's a pond in between each one of these terrain features, and I never touched the terrain feature, the pond. Well, they all took it to mean that the entire middle of the board was line of sight blocking, which, of course, the Cruel Boys had a bunch of their ranged weapons, and they thought they could not shoot through those trees which seriously hampered them. So I come by and another turn and I'm like, they're like, well, it's cause these, these trees block line of sight. I'm like, yeah, but you can shoot over the pond. And all four of them are like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can shoot over the pond. Look, like, what well, you said to block line of sight. And that was just a, I guess I could have been more clear. Although I did put my hand on, I said, these trees, these three trees. Um, and I don't know why anybody would think that ponds would block line of sight, but whatever, I guess it was just a miscommunication. Um, So really, that was the only real issue um, in the narratives. The 40k narrative went pretty darn smoothly, um, with the exception of one guy that was convinced he was getting stomped, and then the next turn he had the upper hand, and then the next turn he was convinced he was getting stomped, and the next turn he had the upper hand. So it was a very good back-and-forth game, but this one guy was getting pretty salty until he realized, oh... I can rely on the reinforcement rolls, and, and Pemkron will tweak it if it becomes out of balance, or whatever. So, by the end of, like, turn three, the going back to the Age of Sigmar battle, um, the Grots and the Cruel Boys had been absolutely stomped. They both had, like, one or two units left on the board. I mean, that was it. And the Sylvanath had not... I don't think they lost a single unit. So... I said, okay, we need to figure something out here, guys, because this is not fun for, I mean, it might be fun for the guys that are stomping the other two, but A, that's the wrong mindset about this, and B, you know, two people can't have fun at the expense of two others, so we gotta figure this out. So, David actually suggested, they were actually on the chaos side, even though they're both destruction, it's order versus chaos, and then death and destruction, even out the two teams. So, they were actually fighting on the side of chaos, and Uh, David was like, well, can we just kill the wizard instead of trying to give him presents? And I was like, you know what? I really like that idea, and this is another one of the benefits of a narrative game, is that you can tweak it as you go along. If one person's getting stomped, well, why not change the objective? So the Sylvanaths still had the objective of trying to give this guy artifacts, and we decided that the wizard's house was a destroyable terrain feature that could be destroyed with a monster's action, and the Cruel Boys did have their uh, Muckraker, I think it's called. It's that weird dragon thing. They did have a monster left. So... Believe it or not, I leave. Okay, and they had all agreed that this would be a, a fitting thing if if um David and the other guy could destroy the wizard because that's kind of chaotic, that's kind of destructive, and uh, it's not something order would do. Well, I leave for another round. I come back to check on them, and believe it or not, it was a hail mary chance because there was um Kurnoth hunters all around the wizard's house, and there was wildwoods in the way, and there's all this. Believe it or not, the muckraker was able to get up to the Kernoth Hunters, charge around the Kernoth Hunters, and get into base contact with the Wizard Hut, and then do his monstrous action and destroy the Wizard's Hut. So, the way we did the middle of the road, we balanced this, is we said that ultimately, Chaos won this board. At the end of the game, this is going to count as a win for Chaos, because they destroyed the Wizard altogether. Okay, very chaotic, I thought that was very narrative, but... For the rest of the game, because they still had two more turns left after the third turn, all the other boards did, and all the boards interact with each other, all the other boards would still get the benefit of the Sylvaneth giving the guy presence for the rest of the game, and we're saying that they destroyed him at the last turn. So that way, Chaos actually counted it as a win because they killed the wizard, but the order still gets the in-game benefits of healing people each turn because they're giving him artifacts. So I feel like everybody was pretty happy with that. Pretty happy. Um, And I was pretty happy with how everything turned out. Um, This year, Order uh, in 40k. um, I I call them Order and Chaos because it's really Imperium versus Chaos with the Xenos in between. You know how that goes, just like I said with Death and Destruction. Um, The Imperium had two shards of the Satan that they had made weaponized. And the Chaos had two shards of the Satan they had weaponized. And the Order kept both of theirs. One orc had one, a mech was experimenting with it, and then a, uh, uh, I think it was a chaplain on a bike or somebody for the Imperium had his. So those two kept their shard, and Chaos lost one of their shards. they uh, That's where my Floating Islands came into play. They went into the Demon World, and they were able to grab the shard. So Order won this battle, and now they have three out of four of the shards. And... The Age of Sigmar battle, Order had won three quarters of the boards for the last two years, and they were uh, taking over this new realm called Shoreham. Haha, right? Play on words. And uh, they were like definitely occupying it now, and Chaos was trying to not lose their final foothold in the area. Well, this year, three of the tables, Chaos outright won, and the fourth table, they narratively won because they killed the wizard. So Chaos is the first time... One side has won all four boards and they, man, it was, it was crazy. So now next year, the tide of chaos is going to be over this place. They, they were able to destroy the city of, uh, uh, Shoreham city, which is the capital of Shoreham. Go figure. And <laughs> we are very original with our naming conventions, but, uh, anyway, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, overall, the narratives went pretty darn smoothly um now in my tournaments i had a few little hiccups here and there um nothing super major i mean everybody was able to recover like um we were making announcements on the speakers and we're standing right next to the speaker so it sounds loud to us and even if you're making the announcement behind the speaker it still sounds like it would be loud but in a room full of 60 people during the highlander or uh 50 some people during the danger zone and aos you know, it's still very loud, the ambient noises. So we did not realize that our bass and trouble were not tuned properly and, uh, they weren't calibrated properly and only like the first row of tables was hearing our announcements. The other two or three rows or two rows were not hearing it at all. So we kept making, Oh, you know, you're halfway done this round. Okay. 30 minute warning, whatever, making announcements. And we didn't know you couldn't hear it. Um, So that caused kind of a problem with the first round because people were, especially in the back of the room, didn't hear any of the warnings. They thought they had plenty of time and they're not watching the clock themselves because they're busy with the tournament. So that made a little bit of an issue. Now we were able to recover pretty easily and everything turned out okay. But um, it took one of our, um, I was like, I don't understand what's wrong with this. And one of our attendees came up and adjusted the treble and bass and all of a sudden, oh, now it's powerful. Okay. Thank you for that. I'm going to have to keep that in mind for next year. Um, I don't know how the knobs got moved. I mean, someone must have bumped them or something like that because uh, it's the same exact... This PA system only gets used once a year at Shorehammer, so, you know, I don't use it otherwise. So other than some small little hiccups here and there, um, everything went pretty well, and we had a ton of donations for the charity raffle this year. I mean, uh, just so many. Panhandle 3D had, like, two full tables alone they donated, they donated uh, Marvel Curs- Crisis Protocol terrain and Tyranid terrain and what I call Endor terrain because it's the big trees that like, you use for the Endor uh, in um, the Star Wars game. And uh, just, just a ton of terrain. They also donated um, coffee tumblers with our logo on it, so we gave those away randomly. And um, dice trays with our logo and um, combat gauge. I mean, they just... They sent me, like, I think it was three full boxes. It was, like, just so much stuff. And uh, then also some of the vendors also donated some stuff as well. So it was, um, we had, this was the most we ever had for the charity event. So I'm very, very happy for that. I was very thankful for that. Um, what else? Um, at some point, you will be hearing the recorded conversation of the Shorehammer Open Mic Podcast session that we did on Saturday night. And um, trivia went well in the bar. We do trivia Saturday night and um, trivia went well. And um, really nothing was terrible. Um, One clear benefit from this year is that um, and we're going to be doing this from now on is that we started selling pizza tickets. We made an agreement with the pizza place. They'd come in early on Friday and Saturday during the big events and tournaments and people get an hour for lunch, but then they all pile down in the pizza place, and then there's a long line, and half of them don't get any lunch. And even though in previous years, we're like, hey, please make an order with the pizza place the day before so that your pizza will just be delivered up here to you, no problem. And like 99% of everybody did not do it. So this year, we decided, you know what, we're going to sell uh, pizza tickets. And um, you, you buy a ticket, it gives you two slices. Obviously, if you want more, you buy more tickets. And uh, they're good for Friday and Saturday, and it worked out swimmingly. We delivered everyone's pizza. They gave us their ticket. It was during the tournament, so they didn't have to get up. It didn't mess with their game at all. They get to eat right th- at their table. It was it was just great. So this upcoming year, we're gonna have pizza ticket add ons for Thursday and Friday, and uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about that because that will be. I didn't I didn't want to be involved at all with the pizza at all. I just didn't want to. But being that, you know, sometimes you got to do stuff for people for their benefit because they won't do it themselves. And the pizza is one of those things that makes life so much smoother. And I guess we just have to be part of it now. So um, that was um, uh, we we turned up the price just a tiny bit for the pieces of pizza. And then that difference was given as a tip. So the people got a really nice tip for coming in early. Um, earlier than they normally would. And we didn't keep any of it. We just gave it all to the pizza place um, because they really are coming in like an hour or two early before the pizza place even opens to deliver us our pizza at noon. So it was worth it to them to, you know, have a nice tip for all that work. And uh, anyway, so um trying to think of anything else. I got Brutal's uh, Brutality Game in with Matt. That was fun. Uh, played in the Brutal... Uh, brutality tournament and I did not place I've gotten second place the first year and I technically got second place last year because there was a tie for first but I guess that actually bumps me down to third I guess um, so I technically got third last year and um, so this year I had I was in the top spot with Andrew on the first round we got 10 points and 10 points it was the most at anybody so I was starting good but, of course, that makes me team up with, and you know, fight Andrew in the second round. And my points for that round were average, and his points were very good. Uh, I got, like, six points. He got, like, I'll say 12 or something. But around five, six points is pretty average for a game. So um, I did great the first round. I did okay the second round. And when I fought Matt for the third round nothing went my way, not a single thing. For instance, I'll just give you a little, for instance, we were playing in the whispering woods and I had this whole thing, right? I had planned out. I was going to get my fast person to move and run up to the objective in the center. And then I was going to use my command token to activate the objective and score point. And then I was going to pop um, the, one of the feet for the stealth faction and so he couldn't be targeted for power shooting or charges within, outside of six inches for the first turn. So I did all that. I had it all lined up, and I rolled a one. Now, if you're not familiar with Brutality, you only score a point on a two through nine. A ten, something bad happens to the whole board. And a one, something bad happens to your person. Well, do you know what happens on a one in the uh, Whispering Woods? Well, I can tell you. Your model just gets confused in the fog and wanders off that's what happens in the wind whispering woods so my very first roll of the game I rolled a one and I lost that model and that not only that not only that kept me from getting a point from activating the objective but that also gave Matt a point because one of my people died so that was like wow this is how this game is going to go and yes indeed this is how that game went <laughs> Of course, I always have fun playing brutality, though, and I really did not put a whole lot of thought into this list. Once I started playing the tournament, um, I realized that at least one, if not two, of my models were more of a liability than anything. They just the the powers I gave her and all of that was kind of just not, just not great. Um, It was a bad combination with the synergy of the rest of my army. Now, of course, it's hard to min-max in brutality, so that's not really what I'm talking about. But sometimes a warband will have more or less synergy with each other, depending on the model traits you give it, model abilities, all that. So that's basically the recap of Shorehammer. Um, A lot of people had fun. I took as many photos as I possibly could. Um, People, you know, drinking. It is an adult convention, so... People do bring their children, um, but it is an adult convention. So people were having fun. People hung out in the bar, got dinner in the bar. Um, some guys go bar hopping at some point in the night. They go to local bars and stuff like that. And one last thing to mention is when I uh, I was thanking all of my volunteers in the, uh, the award ceremony and the one the two people actually three people that I forgot to thank and I felt really bad about it afterwards was um Jonathan one of our buddies Jonathan he's the one that does the whole tournament packet and while he's not a volunteer in the paint party sense when we paint my terrain he's not a volunteer in the staff capacity he is a volunteer in the way that he spends a lot of time to keep up with you know what's going on with the nephilim and all that stuff for gw he is the guy that i constantly ask about like is this broken if i change this is this you know whatever because he keeps up with that and he's a great resource so thank you jonathan for uh, helping i am very sorry that i forgot to mention it at the award ceremony but ultimately hey Way more people, thousands of people hear it when I say it on the air versus at the convention. So I'm sorry I did not say it in person. It does not mean I don't appreciate all your effort, but uh, I really, really do appreciate all your help. And two other people, my paint judges, uh, TJ was a paint judge, but he's also a volunteer. And he already got thanked, and I am not thanking him a second time. (laughs) But, uh, anyway, two other people volunteered to do paint judges and Walt and Tony did a fantastic job. I mean, they gave people feedback on their paint jobs and Walt and Tony have been top placing, uh, paint competition people for years at Shorehammer. And they both kind of started feeling a little bad about it because they both are spectacular painting painters and, And uh, they would often get first place and whatever, so they kind of felt bad about that, and they kind of wanted to give back and let someone else have a chance, which is 100% in the vibe for Shorehammer of, you know, not being a win-at-all-cost whatever. So they both spent, like, I don't know, an hour and a half looking over and grading all the pieces and then giving people feedback if they wanted it and all that. So I do very much appreciate their help as well. So, um, that's it. Um, I do also want to thank, um, Dad's Armies, who was one of our, uh, vendors and he ended up sponsoring the show as well. Dad's Armies, um, you can find them online and they're out of PA and he makes his own MDF kits. And I got to tell you, he makes spaceships, he makes buildings, he makes sewers, he makes so much stuff. I bought some stuff for next year's narrative from him and, uh, he, he just doesn't awesome job and it's all out of his garage so he's a one-man operation so go check him out also uh central gaming and uh central gaming is in centerville maryland and uh they were also super nice uh dan was super nice the owner and they donated a bunch of stuff to the charity raffle as well and i appreciated that so um he he's you know, your, your normal store. He's got all sorts of stuff. He had a bunch of paints and X wing and monster apocalypse and, um, GW stuff and all that. So, um, but he was also very nice. First time we've ever had him. And of course, panhandle3d.com because they were just astronomical with the amount of stuff they gave us and for the charity raffle. So thank you all for supporting Shorehammer and the charity raffle I do very much appreciate it and thank you to gaymat.eu and panhandle3d.com for supporting the show and of course as always who could forget the beautiful sexy muscular I mean ripped patreon patrons of the pimp Crown Warhammer podcast I will see you next week